You're listening to the Skyline SIB podcast, where we learn more about who God is and gain practical handles on how to navigate life with God and love others. God wants to speak to you today, and we hope that this message helps you discover His love and grace for your life. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, I said in service one, if every week my church will introduce me like that, wow, I'll be a happy pastor. I'm just kidding. I'm just, thank you, team. Thank you, everybody. Please. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a great joy to be back at Skyline. Amen. Woo! With a new logo. Yeah. Um, before I start sharing the Word of God, I just want to say uh, my most sincere thank you to Pastor Philip. Um, just now, she mentioned that uh, I, I do a lot of things. I think at one point, I was really struggling with how to cross into and becoming a bivocational pastor. And um, it was in one of those sessions that I had with Pastor Philip that he said something that suddenly just unlocked everything on the inside of me. Uh, because you, you struggle. If you are bivocational, you struggle, you know, people say that you're not focused in church anymore. Maybe you're not loving Jesus as how it ought to be as a pastor. You shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. But I actually find myself more excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ than ever before. Amen? So, so yep. Uh, I'm happy. My son is here. Uh, yep. My wife is back home. Uh, she's leading uh, one of our campuses, so she's very busy. And the other son is terrorizing the mother because I'm not there. So, so yeah, it's all good. It's all great. Uh, shall we pray before we get into the Word of God? Father God, we thank you. Thank you that we can... Have a place like this to just worship Jesus with such liberty in our hearts, with joy. God, I pray. We ask that God, we will never ever take your presence for granted because we know it is without, if it's without you, none of this will make sense. None of this will have any meaning at all. God, I pray this morning as we continue to worship by hearing your word, God speak to us, whether we've been a Christian for many years or maybe we're new. We are searching, we are finding. God, I pray that at any point, oh God, let this word just touch our hearts so that we can come not just to know Jesus theoretically or in our head, but we will receive Him as our Lord and Savior in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And everyone say, Amen. I don't, think, I don't think we've ever seen the intensity of how things have been changing so rapidly in the last decade or so, and especially in the last five years. Um, the world has changed. It's a seismic shift, if you like, uh, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to how corporate is being run. Uh, in 2000, especially 2000 onwards, it, it used to be if you are the, the, the CEO or the group CEO of a big public listed company, you want your office to be like so corporate looking, so professional, right smack in the middle of the city so that people know who you are and people know what your company is doing. But we are seeing a shift, a very big shift in the world that we are in. Apple built their HQ and instead of calling it the HQ, they call it the Apple Park, all right? And um, this sprawling uh, premise in America. And, and they want to create that feeling that, you know, you can get close to us. Of course you don't, but anyway, that's what they want to create, all right? Google, Google built their HQ, and uh, instead of calling it the HQ, they call it the Google Village. 
They have a village bicycle. They have places for the staff to have recreational, vending machine. They even have day beds for the staff to sleep if they are tired. And we begin to hear words started to change in the workplace. It used to be the office, the staff uh, of the office. Now they are called the team, my team members. Uh, you, you see the shift, right? And uh, they even call the team community. And some will even go as far as this is a family. Uh, so that's what has been happening. And with that, it gave rise to the mushrooming of co-working spaces where you don't need to know the people, you just work together. But if you have a need, you can always ask the person sitting next to you to share their expertise. And with all these changes that is happening, whether it is in the corporate, in the market, or in church, you, you cannot help but seeing that something is truly happening. It used to be. We like visionary, authoritarian leaders who tell us what to do. You know, if the pastor say, jump, you ask, how high? You, know, you all heard those illustrations before, right? If the pastor say, run, uh, you ask, how fast? Now it's different. We want a flat leadership. Everybody wants to have an opinion or, you know, how about me? So when the pastor say, run, run to where? Why do you want us to run? Walk can or not? Walk faster can or not? So there are a lot of these things happening in the world that we're in. Of course, it is a changing of the nature of leadership in the world that we're in. And, and not only that, uh, I am in a generation that has experienced and seen the most transition in my life. I, when I used to rewind my cassette tape, we need a pencil. How many of you have done that before? If you do not know, and it's okay, it's okay, all right? You're not outdated, don't worry. We, we used to... The skill of rewinding it to the exact song that you want, ah, that's next level, okay? All right. <laughs> we, we've been through VHS. Do you know in Sabah, oh, by the way, I'm from Sabah. <laughs> Super proud. I was just sitting next to my son and told him, you're not local. <laughs> I am. And um, true blue Sabahan, I love this state. This is where I was born. I grew up. And uh, at this stage of my life, it is only appropriate that I give back. So I'm coming back more and more and doing more things. But anyway, Sabah, when I was growing up, do you know it used to take us two Wednesdays to finish one Chinese TV movies on the TV? All right? And uh, if you, you watch Jackie Chan on a Wednesday night, you rush home from your tuition, you watch one part and then to be continued next Wednesday. By the time next Wednesday, you totally forgotten what, what were we watching again? Oh yeah, Jackie Chan. And, and we've been through a lot. We, we used to rent VHS from a video shop. You don't even know what's a video shop now. To watch Miss Hong Kong. <laughs> that you have to return after two days. Otherwise, your neighbor cannot watch it. Yeah. But we have seen so much changes. My dad in his generation would do one job and do until the day he retires. That will be the one job that he'll be doing. And after some, some time, people will graduate as an engineer, be an engineer halfway through. Oh, I have an epiphany. I don't want to be an engineer anymore. I want to open a bakery. Oh, wow. wow. Okay, so there's a, I don't know what they call it, midlife crisis. I don't know, I don't know, all right? But later on, 
it changed again. It changed, it came to a point that they started engineer. The parents sent them all the way to LSE to get this prestigious engineering bachelor's degree. He comes home, he said, Dad, I think I don't want to be an engineer. Open a cafe. Wow, the father, ah. Huh? <sighs> I want to say something, but it's on recording, so I better don't say it. But you know what you want to say, but okay, okay, you're my son, that's what you want, go for it. So we saw the change. And then it came to a point that they studied engineering and they don't want to become an engineer, which already gives the parents a heart attack. They want to open a cafe, doesn't matter, but on the, in the evening, they want to become a PT. They want to do two jobs at the same time because they say life is too short. You know, I, and then they want to do other job and other job. So what we are seeing and experiencing in a world that we're in is all these changes that are happening, whether to a personal level, corporate level, or a collective level. And I want to say this. Sometimes we as a church, we look at all these changes, we try to adopt some of these changes to our church. Because I, I remember I was like that. At one point, I wanted our church to be ISO standard, like our processes is going to be proper, you know, SOP and KPI. These days, you tell the new professionals, SOP, they quit, they go to another job. Are you with me or not? What KPI? They, they're not even looking for pay. After you give them a high pay, they want fulfillment. Wow, the boss confused. Fulfill what? Do your job. I... Oh. I see some laughter of approval and some silence of antagonism. All right, okay. But, but the world's changing and that's the reality. Um, different corporation, different ones want to adopt different things, do different things. And, and the church is too. At one point, we want to be like the corporate. We want our office to be so professional, to be so organized. And I... I remember there was, I have an elder in our church who is a CEO of a public listed company. I said, I want to send our staff to your office so that our church will be so organized like a corporate uh, company. And he said to me something that made me think. He said, Pastor, what are you doing? We are trying to be like the church. Our office is trying to be communal and you try to be corporate, it shouldn't be that way. You see, if we continue to see what the world's doing, how the world's changing, and the church keep trying to follow, we will always play catch up. We will always think that, oh, maybe this is better, or oh, that it's better. But truly, is that how it should be? And with all these changes, there's only one indication that actually the world is truly trying to be more like us. You know, corporates, we organize and put all this system and processes in place. But at the end of the day, it is the soft skill that's hard. At the end of the day, it's a soft skill that is hard. What should we do as a church? How do we respond? What ought to be our posture? And I want to say to all of us today that we, are, we ought to be leaders in this arena. We ought to be the one that pioneers and where do we start? And it is none other than Jesus. It is none other than 
Jesus, the examples that Jesus had given us. It's truly peerless. I want you to go with me to Philippians chapter 2. All right, and this is Paul's writing. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, here we are united with Christ as one body in skyline. If any comfort from His love, if any sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Paul says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. That there is something that will make the joy of Paul and Jesus and God complete. And that is, the Bible says, to be like-minded. That means to share the same mind. Having the same love. Being one in spirit and of one mind. Then the instruction. How do we do that? Number one, do not do nothing <coughs> out of selfish ambition. That means do nothing out of what your desire wants or being conceived. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Paul is trying to tell us that we got to, when we come to, as a body of Christ, we got to value the people above ourselves, the person next to us. And I want you to know there's no faith ever that is more thinking about others than the Christian faith. We are constantly taught, exhorted, encouraged to love one another, to care for one another, to pray for one another, to bear each other's burden, to be kind to one another, to forgive one another. The Christian faith, it's always outward looking. It is never about us. And we have to be very careful that when we become a follower of Jesus, we have to be careful with what the world is trying to tell us. Where the world is constantly talking about, what is it in it for me? And then when that is in the corporate, we bring it to the church, we begin to ask pastors and leaders, if I do this, if I come to inside, uh, insider session, in C's, what is it in it for me? And if we don't have a correct understanding of what the, Bible is teaching us about how we should behave as a follower of Jesus, then all these values of that from the world that is worldly will creep into the body of Christ, into the house of God. It says here, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Man, that's hard. Whoever told you that becoming a Christian is a bed of roses, it's a lie. Wow, I have to give up so many things. Even my own interests. I will explain more afterwards. So, verse 5. Are you guys still okay? Still like me? Please do. I'm Sabahan, okay? If you don't like me, nobody else will. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So when Paul tells the people, this is how you should live. This is what you ought to do. This is how you should behave. It did not come out of thin air. It was not just a concept that Paul thought it would be great if we start to take the interests of others. I mean, take note of the interests of others. It would be an awesome, an awesome church if we start to value others above ourselves. No, he said, we actually could do this because we have a role model in Christ Jesus. Let me keep going. Verse 6. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used 
to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This morning, I want to share with you four key things about what being a follower of Jesus, being a servant of God is truly all about. Is it okay? Number one, the position you are in is not to be used for your own advantage. All of us have a position in life. If you are the supervisor, you're the manager, you are the owner of the business, you have a position. You're a father, you're a mother, you're a husband, you're a son or a daughter, you have a position. We have to think about it. When Jesus, talk, when God talks about hum, uh, serving servanthood, it was not talking about emptying a position or ignoring a position that you have in life. It is not like, uh, no, I'm nobody. I, I have no, no, it's not what it is. But Jesus recognized that he had a position, the nature of God, but he did not use it for his own advantage. You look at the Bible, look at Jesus. Sometimes I think about it. Why did he has to walk? He has to, he has to walk from one city to another. And it's not great to walk in Jerusalem because it's hot. How many of you are enjoying the hot weather in KK right now? Don't raise your hand, okay? Because we may not be friends afterwards. It's so hot. It's so humid. Jesus could have just, ding, he reached. Then he asked the disciples, hey, you're very slow. Lah. I reached already. No. He used none of his position for his own advantage. But instead, he was always found serving the people. He was always found with compassion, wanting to meet the needs of others. Friends, you have a position in life, but it requires you with your freedom, with the liberty that God has given to you. How do I make full use of my position to serve others? When I first became a Christian and I became a pastor, it was a, when I, when I read verses like this, I get very tense because I don't know how to apply it in my life because when I was in Tawau, we had a maid. And uh, the maid would cook for us in my clothes and she would, you know, wash my clothes and do everything, wash the car. But I'm a servant. But I have a servant at home. Like, what's, what's this? Like, servant, servant? Wow. Then she's so low. So I, I, I constantly have to ask God until one day I told her, I said, hey, you know what? I know you are a maid, a servant, or whatever your helper. We also try to call it nicer now, like helper, okay? Whatever it is called, I want you to know that is not your status. That's your job, okay? My status is that I am the son of this house, but my job is this. This coming Sunday, when you go to church, I will send you there. So I have to wake up early, drop her to a church so that I can go to our church, serve, and I finish serving, and then go back to pick her up. Wow, she's so embarrassed. She said, boss, don't do this to me. All my friends say, wow, your boss come and pick you up. I said, you know what? At the end of the day, when you and I are in heaven, none of this matters. 
Are you with me? You do your part because you take care of our family. I do my part to take care of your spirituality. That ought to be the way. It is not a norm. But that's how we ought to live because that is what Jesus gave us as an example. Number two, the taking on of a position of a servant is a choice we make. No one can make you a servant unless you want to. No one can make you a servant in this house unless you choose to. And I want us to know, servanthood is primarily an identity before it is a responsibility. If you do not understand that your identity as a servant in this house, your responsibility, how you serve, what you do, is not going to reflect the person that you are made in the image of God, wanting to be in the likeness of Jesus, which is a servant. You know, we always talk about, oh, we got to be more and more Christ-like. And very often, we, we want it to be more and more of the deity of Christ. We want to pray for the sick and the sick be healed. We want to do this and have the power of God. But there is a big part of the humanity of Christ that we should emulate of how Jesus served others. You got to make it a point because when you understood that you are a servant by identity, you don't need a roster to fulfill your responsibility. Are you with me? Oh, pastor, uh, I, last week I usher. This week I worship her. No. A servant understands that they have no personal agendas. And that is why when the ways of the world creeps into the church and, begin, and people begin to ask, if I join Skyline, what is it in it for me? You missed the point. Jesus did not ask God, God, okay, I go to earth and I can become man. What's it in it for me? The cross? Oh. Are you, are you okay? And that's how when we have this same mindset, the church of God will truly become a force. When all of us longing, desiring to serve, the church of God will be totally turning the table upside down, changing the ways the world is. Because the higher you climb, the more you want to serve, the more you want to give. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God. Jesus was God, but He did not think that there was equal, something to be used to his own advantage. That he was hungry, he could just snap a finger and pizza come out. No, he was still hungry. Rather, he made himself nothing, very important, by taking the very nature of a servant by being made in human likeness. What does it mean for Jesus making himself nothing when he became man? Because when Jesus, in the nature of God, when He chose to become human, it was a one-way transformation that when Jesus took on human flesh, the human flesh will all forever be with Jesus, that He cannot change back to the nature of God in all eternity. How do we know that? Number one, if Jesus could just switch and change, then He was only just playing tricks with us. Are you with me? Actually, there's no pain. I just make it feel like it was very painful, but there was no pain. How do we know that? Because after resurrection, 
when Thomas wanted to know, how do I truly know that you are Messiah, that you are Jesus? Jesus said, look at the scar in my hand that I bore. We have to understand the extent of that humility when Jesus chose to become man and could never become the nature of God again. He made himself nothing. I want you to know that's how much Jesus loves us. He did not just love you because he came. He did not just love you because he died on the cross and suffered the humiliation on the cross. He loves us by changing his nature. When the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that was the one transformation that Jesus agreed to because he loves us. So, we have to ask ourselves, what is this that we think, what is it in it for me? I have the privilege and a great honour in life to start serving God at a very young age. In my time, there was nothing in it for you. And it was drilled into you so that you understand that the joy is found in serving Jesus. There's no career path in the house of God. Pastor, after this, what is my next jump? The next jump is lower, not higher. If you can understand that, you actually find that life has gotten more joy than more pain and more suffering. I love church express this. There was a time where we start to rethink how we're doing everything. So in our church, the higher your position, that means me, I guess they are just targeting me lah. The higher the position, the lesser the privileges. But I love it. I love it because it's biblical. So for me, as a lead pastor, I have no reserve parking. Please give Pastor Philip whatever you have. I don't want to like, hey, Pastor, Pastor Kevin don't have, or you also, don't, don't, don't charge it to my account, okay? So I tell you, it's crazy fun. Because suddenly when I go to church now, I go to church so early, the whole compound is empty. I have to go and find a nook and a corner that nobody's go to. And that's my reserve parking. And I found a reserve parking for myself. It's in a bush somewhere. Because nobody will go there. I love it. Like my, my experience manager, the team, I mean, team experience manager, she will hunt everybody down. This one, staff car, get out. Okay, worship team, I know you come early, but get out, get out, okay. She will make everybody move their car out so that it's reserved for the elderly and the family with children. Isn't that beautiful? And then after service, you see all the leaders walk very far. Where are you going? To my car, where else? <laughs> we cannot think that I'm the pastor. You have a reserve parking for me. You carry my bag for me. You do this for me, dude. It's not the way Jesus lived. Are you with me? Because <laughs> if you honor in a wrong way, 
you turn the pastor into an idol. Are you with me? The pastor practically don't have to do anything. And how can it be like Jesus? Don't carry my bag. I tell them, this is my bag. I like it. I bought it. Don't carry my bag. Is that okay? But if you're my son, no choice. Lah. No choice. He's <laughs> living under my roof. I'm paying the bills, so carry my bag. But you see, in all this, and being found in appearance as a man, now you have a different outlook towards this verse. Being found in appearance as a man has got to be the most humbling. Jesus humble himself. Humility is key in servanthood. All right? Humility is key in We've got to understand what is humility. Keep beating yourself up and saying that you are good for nothing. It's not humility. That's just called fear. All right? Keep telling people that you cannot play the piano, but you're serving in Skyline every week. It's not humility. Why would Pastor Philip put you play the piano if you cannot play the piano? You, you understand or not? All right? So, humility is recognizing our strength and acknowledging our weaknesses. That means that there are certain things I cannot do. In the position I'm in, I cannot do. I'm the pastor. People will tend to ask me Bible questions. But I told them long time ago, I'm not a Bible encyclopedia, neither am I a commentary. I will not know everything. But don't worry. If you have a question that I don't know, I will make sure I find the answers so that I can teach you properly. Pride is you don't know, you think, you, you act, you behave as if you know. Because you are too ashamed. I'm the pastor, how can I not know the Bible? The truth of the matter is, you will not know everything. I don't know in your position, what are some of the times where you put yourself in a place as if you know everything and you have to force it out after a while and you have to cover it up with a lie because you really truly do not know. Humility is understand, okay, I'm good in this. This is what I can do, but this is not me. I'm sorry, but I will learn and I'll get it. I'll, I'll fix it. I'll get better. Are you with me? That's what humility is all about. Finally, number four, the last one, humility or servanthood has a goal. You cannot be humble for humble's sake. Are you with me now? That means you cannot compete humility with one another. You cannot come to church and see, my shoe got a hole. Humble or not? And after a while, everyone is competing. Pastor, my shoe also got a hole. that you are proud that you are more humble than the person next to you. It's true. Are you with me now? We institutionalize some of these things and we think it is right. A person with a beaten up car that is dirty is not more humble than someone having a car that is not like that. It's simply that that car was not well maintained. How can a beaten up, dirty car is a reflection of your humility? 
For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not by our works. Jesus knew if salvation could be earned by our work, we will begin competing. And when we begin competing, it will no longer be about God, but it will be about me. See, I'm more, you won't say it lah. But in your heart, wow, thank God, I'm more humble than Pastor Josh. Wow. And it will eat us up because of the pride of trying to prove yourself with your own ability. Jesus did not. So what is the end goal of humility and servanthood? For Jesus, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Humility is Jesus giving up everything that He was, God, by being obedient to the cross. Today, you and I, our humility, our servanthood, is to come to a place where we will be obedient to God till the day we see Jesus face to face again. That is the purpose of being a servant of God, that I have no personal agenda, that I am here to serve Jesus and Jesus alone. That it is a joy, a joy for me to come to the house of God. It is a joy for me if I have to, to carry the chairs, to arrange the place. I love, I want you to know if you do not yet know, I love the house of God. I just love the house of God. Maybe it was my upbringing. I love it. I love, man, by the way, congratulations. You are moving soon, soon, soon. Like Jesus, coming soon. I'm sure it will be soon. Lah. I have so much joy when I see the house of God. But, but this morning I was worshipping. I, I told pastor, I said, Man, we're going to miss this place. When you move, this is like new. Whoever comes in here, that will be, I don't know, like, wow. When we moved our new building, our old building was so run down. It was so exhausted. No, no one had any sentimental value left for that place. <laughs> but for you guys, it is so different. But why do I do what I do? Why do I love the house of God? Why, why do I find the joy, the privilege, the honour of serving Jesus in my life? I, this trip, I came, I came back to Sabah because I went to Sandakan uh, because we want to work with clinics to open our clinic so that we can reach the stateless people. We have a clinic in KL called Autry, uh, right smack in the, the most dead mall in KL called Submit, if you know. Uh, it was very run down, very bad more. And there was nothing to tell us that it is wise to move in there. But we move in there. I told Dr. Andrew, Dr. Andrew is here somewhere, I think, with the wife, Dr. Caris, and their beautiful daughter. Can we give Dr. Andrew and Caris a big hand? So there was a, it was our dream. Because 15 years ago, I went to Moscow and I spoke to a, a group of 400 doctors to give them the vision 
of what it means when you come home to serve your nation. And after that, for the next 10, 12 years, I've been investing my time flying to Moscow, like this crazy Chinese guy, you know, going to Moscow, forever trying to smile. Nobody smiled to me, but doesn't matter. I love it. Because I was there for a mission. And we opened this clinic in Submit in a mall that is dead. If there's a word more dead than dead, that would be that word, you know? And I said, but that's our heart was burning with that desire to really serve our community, to bring healthcare to everyone everywhere. So everything about the clinic is wrong. When we took over, it was losing money, it was run down. Nobody goes to the mall. I prayed, I said, God, if this is the starting point, this is what we would do. I went to my elders. I said, elders, I need money. I want you to know I need this money to give our clinic a shot. 100,000. Just give me 100,000. Give me one year. If I lose it all and it doesn't work, I'm sorry. We will shut this thing down. Then the elders look at me. Pastor, if you want to do it, do it. It doesn't make sense, but we will go for it together with you. So, long story short, and uh, we moved in in the perfect timing of God. December 2020, right smack in pandemic. Man, like I tell you, it's crazy. We moved to the clinic. We started, it's a proper clinic with business, but we also reach out to refugees. But thank God for pandemic. No one could come. So, we got a lot of deals for RTK, Tesket, and all this thing. We made so much money that we started to become a blessing to other people. So, finally, we have the opportunity to open one in Penang. And uh, I'm here this trip to try to open one more in Sandakan. We're not opening a physical clinic, but we want to work with clinics so that the doctors, because I know how hard it is to become a doctor, to be placed, to be sent to Sabah especially, if you are from KL, you are from the city, you pray every night, God, I want to serve Jesus, but don't send me to Sabah. <laughs> but I have faith that if I give them the correct vision, if I can put them one year in Sabah, they will tell me, Pastor, can you don't send me back? How many of you know what I'm talking about? So, when we were in Penang, I met with our doctors. I spent some time talking to them. I said, our vision is to love God and think others. Altru means others first in French. Don't ask me why French, but that's what happened. And I said, we will keep telling you that's our vision, to love God and to think others, to love God and to think others. But a time will come that the spotlight will not a time will come there'll be no clapping and no cheering and you'll be behind that locked treatment room or consultation room and you'll be meeting patient after patient after patient, refugees after refugees after refugees, the stateless people, one after another. And you will come to a place that you do not yet, you do not know why you're doing what you're doing anymore. And I say, let me tell you this, you and I must come to a place that you know why you are here, why you are doing this, what did you sign up for? And what you're signing up for is not for more cheers, more encouragement. I don't mean that you don't need it. But it will come from a place that you recognize 
how much you have been saved by Jesus. That's why you do what you do. That how much your life has changed because of Jesus. That's why you do what you do. That you have to recognize that you and I can never take it for granted. That without Christ, we will be nowhere near where we are today. I know. I come from a small town in Tawau. If I had not known Jesus, I don't know what will be of me today. Maybe I'll be working in a car workshop or maybe selling cars. Nothing wrong with selling cars, but, but God placed something within me. That up to when I was 15, I could hardly speak. I'd rather chase by a dog than to speak in front of people. I couldn't speak English and I don't know Chinese. Now that's trouble. I could speak Malay. But I encountered Jesus. My pastor took me on, discipled me, shaped me, changed the way I think. That I have a totally different life now. I don't need you to cheer me. I don't need you to clap hands. But I will keep doing this. Can I end with this thought? So, I paint, right? So one day I was painting. And I used painting time to be a prayer reflection. And that's always what I do. You know what is, when people say, is it worthwhile or not to do this? When, when we ask, is it worthwhile? We will always want to know what is the ROI? What is the return of investment? You know, as I was coming before God, you know what is worthwhile? Even if I lose it all and I'm still doing it, that's what it means to be worthwhile. Jesus, in the eyes of the world, lost it all by dying on the cross. Ask Jesus, when you and I go to heaven, Lord, was it worthwhile? He will tell you, you are worthwhile. Let's close our eyes. God, I pray. Today, we're not just here to gain more Bible knowledge, biblical information. God, let there be a transformation on the inside of us to first understand how much you have done for us on the cross. The trouble you took, the sacrifice you made by becoming man for us. And God, in response, it is only right that we serve you with a joyful heart. Yes, we're not robots. Some days, really no claps and no lights, no music at the background. You'll be found and I'll be found doing this all by ourselves. But God, when those times really challenges us and causes us to really dig deep, oh God, that ultimately it's not about who I am what I have or what I do but to remember how much it means to me when I recognize how much I've been saved by Jesus on the cross Father God I pray that Skyline will continue to be that church that serves the community serve you serve people 
so that for all the days to come, when people see a servant, they will say, wow, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? God, I pray, renew our heart. Renew us today as we choose to serve you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the Skyline SIB podcast. If you would like to connect with us, head on over to our website at skylinesib.com or follow us on our social media at Skyline SIB on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. If you were encouraged by this message, share this podcast with a friend or family member. Thanks for tuning in and God bless.